0: A reading from the Acts of the Apostles, the second chapter. Listen to God's Word. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each one of them. All were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Figri and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jewish and proselytes. Cretans, Arabs, in our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds and power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But the others sneered and said, They are just filled with new wine. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. We ask now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I'm delighted to be back in the pulpit at St. Simon's Presbyterian Church this morning, this splendid Pentecost morning. My name is Joanna Adams, and next month I will be celebrating the 40th anniversary of my ordination to the Ministry of Word and Sacrament in the Presbyterian Church. I've served five congregations in Atlanta, and have had a a wonderful life in the ministry my husband and i several years ago uh, purchased a home over on vassar point off of Frederica, and we're here as much as we possibly can be Um, i'm especially honored to be at this church because of my deep affection for both your pastors Reverend Annie Arvin is a great friend of my son's son and his family in Richmond. When Annie was in seminary, she was one of his students, and she's very close to my grandchildren. And uh, Alan uh, was—my last church in Atlanta uh, that I served full-time was First Presbyterian Church as the interim senior pastor, and Alan was on the staff there, and so I have— loved and respected Alan for a long time, so it's just sweet to be here. When we first started coming uh, to uh, St. Simon's Prez, we were pulpit side seaters, Sit right back over there. And we did that for some months, and then one Sunday we came in, and for some reason, we headed to the lectern side. And we became comfortable on the lectern side. Not to say anything ugly about the pulpit side sitters, but we really like it over there. That's become our gang. We we like it over there. We don't feel hostility toward you pulpit side people <laughs> during worship, but you're you and we are we. And we have a little different view of what's happening up here in the chancel. We're different in that way. And yet, we are together in one place as were Christ's followers that Pentecost morning. We are together in one place. Now, some of you might watch CNN news. And some of you might watch Fox News. Some might live on Sea Island and some on St. Simons and some in Brunswick. You might vote for this candidate and, and you might vote for that other candidate, but when we come here, we are one in Christ. We are not the same. God loves difference. Otherwise, we would all be like the little chocolate tinfoil-covered Hershey's kisses, Kisses in a bag, all the same. And, you know, one time when I was pastor at Trinity Church in Atlanta, and we were trying a new way to serve communion, and the elders, God loved them, really messed it up. I mean, really messed it up. And all I could do that afternoon was to go home and eat a half a bag of Hershey's Kisses. And it it really helped me get through the afternoon. No matter what's going on in the world, the church has a particular mission. It grows out of what what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and giving us the ministry of reconciliation. And at Pentecost, there are two miracles. One, the gift of the Holy Spirit, And the second miracle is that people who are from wildly different places, who speak different languages, are able to understand one another. Holy Spirit power, the power that was in Christ, now has been distributed through the church to the church. And it is our job to broadcast not just by what we say, but how we live and how we treat other people, the good news that all of us are made in the image of God. Listen, you will never meet another person whom God doesn't love. May I say that again? You'll never meet another person whom God doesn't love. So we have a big job to do, being agents of reconciliation, being instruments of the peace of Christ, being mandated by our Lord to demonstrate a better way than hatred and division. We've got a lot of work to do, and our work is cut out for us. We live in communities, in a country, in a world that is drowning in division, ringing with bitter rhetoric. The preferred methods of communication, it seems to me, in 2019 are either the insult or the shout. Do we talk to one another? No, we get in our little groups and say, aren't they awful? Aren't they stupid? How could they do that? We're so much better than those other people, whoever the other people are. I don't know where it comes from. The Bible gives some explanations about where this brokenness originates. I'll just give you a a little example. This is not in the Bible, but I remember a story that was told when I was in Chicago about a woman who was driving her car on a busy city street there in Chicago and she was um, behind another car at a stoplight. The light turned green The fellow in the car in front of her was sort of daydreaming or more likely looking at his cell phone. And she honked the horn. He didn't move. She honked it again. He didn't move. Then she began beating on her steering wheel and Lord knows what she was saying inside her car. Finally, the fellow came to and went through the light and just as he did, the light turned red again. So we have a green light and a red light and then there is a blue light and it is the light on the top of a police car that is right behind this lady. And he comes out of the car, the policeman does, and comes to her window and asks her to get out of the car, which she does. And he said to her, lady, I'm sorry, but you're under arrest. And she said, under arrest? What did I do? And she said, well, I I saw you, heard you honking your horn and having a fit. And I looked at your bumper. And on your bumper are two stickers. One says, follow me to church. And the other says, Jesus is the answer. So I knew you had stolen the car. (laughs) (laughs) Ugliness. Ugliness, impatience, betrayal, meanness, lack of tolerance, lack of Honoring the image of God in someone else. What, what happened? Well, you know, God created the world and all its creatures, including the human creature. It, it, and on every creative day, the Lord ended the day by looking at what the Lord had made and said, this is good. Except in one case. Do you know what was the creation? God did not proclaim good right out of the chute, the human creature. Of that creation, the Lord said, you know, it's not good for that creation to be alone. And so God created another creature, and there were two A man and a woman. God created the world, I think, because God didn't want to be alone. God wanted to love us, to have us love God back, and he wanted the same thing for the human being. We are to be related to one another. We are most human when we're in community of some kind or another. But that community, that's the hardest part. And soon things get messed up. Even Adam and Eve get messed up in the garden. They are kicked out. They have two sons post-Eden. One is named Cain and one is named Abel, and they are messed up with each other. Cain is jealous of Abel, and pretty soon you've got what? The first murder. The first murder. And then things go downhill from there. God is sick of it. There's so much estrangement, so much brokenness, that God's sorry that he created the world in the first place. And he decides to destroy the world. He sends what? Since the flood saves Noah, the one good fella, he thinks, and um, Noah and his family are in the ark. God's mind gets changed. He says, Okay, I just in the end, he couldn't kill everybody or destroy everything. So the waters went down, and human history began. In a different way. This time, the Lord thought, maybe they'll get it right. And it seemed to be all right for a little while until we come to the story of the Tower of Babel. The people have come from all over everywhere. Did you notice the first line in the passages? And the people spoke the same language and used the same words. And so they decide together to build a city, and they build a tower. And the tower is built for two reasons. One, so that it says, so we can make a name for ourselves. In other words, we're on this earth not to glorify God, but we want to make a name for ourselves, and we want you to look at what we've built and say, aren't they great? And the other thing uh, that happened was that the tower was to be so tall it was going to reach all the way into the heavens. In other words... They wanted God to move over, and they'd be right on the same plane with the Almighty God. Well, God didn't like that a bit, and he destroyed the tower. The first thing he did was to confuse the common language and you can see this, I imagine the workmen up there on the, on the tower, and they're working along. They're way up high because they're almost finished. And one of the workmen says to the other, hey, Aaron, pass me a brick. And Aaron can't understand what he says. He says, what? Well, and they, they try to communicate. No longer can they do it. Frustration breaks through, people start hurling bricks at one another. And violence and destruction follow. When people cannot understand each other, there's always the danger of violence and destruction. The second punishment God sends down is to scatter people all over the earth. And, some, and this is all prehistory. This part of Genesis is called prehistory. When you get to real history, or not prehistory, but the history of civilization, we find that conflict is just a part of reality difference is not necessarily appreciated. And the the idea is that God offers these two punishments because of human pride and overreaching. But I want to suggest that there is perhaps one other reason, and that is that difference, difference lies at the heart of God's original idea for creation, and that homogeneity with everybody alike um, is not always the will of God. We all like to hang out with our tribe, don't we? I do. I love Southerners and Presbyterians and members of my book club and so on and so forth. But if there's no one in my life who is different from me, then how am I going to learn and grow? How am I going to be challenged as to what I think and maybe what I ought to be more open to? I'll just give you a a, a very quick example. I was in a group, it was an interracial group um, put together by. Parker Palmer, he was a wonderful uh, leader in, in the Christian church. And I can't remember how this came up, but we were talking about movies, and I, I was asked what my favorite movie was, and I said, well, of course, it's Gone with the Wind. and a very wonderful, lovely person whom I'd gotten to know who was African American was sitting two seats away. And she said, that's my least favorite movie ever made. And I thought, I I sort of bowed up, you know. But then I began to think about that movie through her eyes. Didn't make me stop liking the movie but I understood why she wouldn't love it. It's just a teeny little thing, but boy did it crack me open. The Holy Spirit cracked all of reality open on Pentecost, on Pentecost. When the Spirit comes, and the Spirit does all kinds of dramatic things with wind and fire, but the most impressive thing, the greatest miracle, the splendid aspect of Pentecost is that a new possibility was created, and it was that people who are not the same do not have to hate one another. And even if they don't agree with one another, listen, togetherness is not about agreement. I'm passionate about many things, and I disagree deeply with people who are friends and strangers about very important things. But you know what? I don't ever have to be ugly, do I? Don't I always, if I'm a disciple of Christ, never be ugly? Was Jesus ever ugly to anybody? He was a truth teller. But he, he spent his whole earthly ministry reaching out to people who, who the, the in crowd thought were outsiders. Hey, I'd rather have dinner with them because they're not so puffed up and proud as we often are. Pentecost, a complete reversal of the Tower of Babel. The antidote to misunderstanding is available to us all free of charge. The name of that is the spirit of the living God helping us understand not only in our public lives and in our communities, but in our homes and in our families. You know, God made difference. And I don't know about you, I'm about to celebrate my 54th wedding anniversary, but I've discovered that men and women are different. Have you ever noticed that? (laughs) We sometimes approach things in different ways to learn how to be respectful, And try always, always, to move to higher ground, to listen, as well as deliver your righteous speech. Hush up and listen. And you don't have to say, I agree. All you have to say is, I hear you. And then see what God might do with that moment. So I've been thinking about the trip to the Middle East that your pastor and others are experiencing. And it has brought to mind, and I will close with this, a trip that changed my life and the life of many others. One of my close friends in Atlanta is Rabbi Alvin Sugarman, one of the great moral leaders I've ever met. He was rabbi at the temple for 40 years, and he and I led a group of Presbyterians and Jews uh, together on this wonderful trip. On the day we were to be in the Galilee to visit the alleged site of, of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus delivered the Sermon on the Mount, I got a stomach ache and had to stay at the hotel. Alvin said, I'll take care of things. So he stood on the side of the mountain, and he read from the Sermon on the Mount, from the Christian Bible, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the meek, Return no one evil for evil. Return no one evil for evil. Love your enemies. I'm here to show you a better and higher way. The next day, we went to Yad Vashem, the deeply moving museum, memorial rather, in Jerusalem in honor of the six million Jews and others who were killed during the Holocaust. An unbelievably emotional experience. And almost always at the end of a tour, a rabbi leaves a worship service in a designated beautiful place. Well, guess who had the stomach ache that day? So there I was. And here we were people of different faiths, people who had become deep friends and i remembered a a little parable that seems to be so basic and true the great teacher asked his students how can you tell when night is over and morning has come one student said when the cock crows and another one said when you can see the silhouette of of a tree against the horizon. And the teacher said, the only sure way you can know when it's no longer night is when you can look into the eyes of a stranger, into the eyes of someone whom you would identify as the other. And you would see that that person is your sister you would see that person as your brother and until we can do that until we can see the image of god and remember that we're all members of the same family of god we're going to be in a world of hurt but thanks to god whom we know through christ our lord there's another way a better way, and that's the job of the church, to get the word round about that. In the name of Christ, who lives and reigns with God in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, one world, without end. Amen.